say it every time, but if I had my life to live over again, I'd put a sound system in my house and a lot of reverb. I'd sound like God speaking to Moses, come down. I would never yell at my children. I'd just have reverb. But it's too late for that. They're all grown and out of the house. God bless them. The whole goal of having children is to get them gone. I grew up in a big family. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters, so did my father-in-law. So uh, Ames and I, we got eight between us. And uh, thank goodness they're all adults. And uh, out of the house, out of college, graduated. I got jobs. Didn't have a job. Job's a good word. Not Job, it's job. And because uh, I told my kids, I love you. I'm going to fix your crooked teeth, teach you how to talk and walk, change your diapers, teach you how to pass aspirin, diagram a sentence. We'll get you into college, and get you through that. And I'll pay for your wedding, pay for your honeymoon, uh, buy your first car. After that, you owe me. And people think I'm joking because I'm so funny, but I'm very serious. At every wedding of my children, every wedding, I stuck my hand out at every wedding. I stuck my hand at the wedding. At the wedding, I said, put your door key in my hand. They said, what? Your door key, the house key. Put your, put your house key in my hand. I said, don't you ever come to back to my house unless I invite you. And uh, if you come, you bring food. You don't eat my food, you bring your own, and you leave the leftovers at my place. And then when you leave, you leave before it gets dark. You take your children home with you. Because your children will never spend the night with me. I raised my six. This is your job. You're going to raise these. These are yours. That's why they're named on the birth stick. They're yours. They're not mine. Now let them come over and we'll have a good time. And I'll spend money on them. But when it gets dark, they better not be at my house. Now, Angel and I don't agree on that yet. We're still working that out. Because <laughs> I'm a new win. <laughs> We're still working on that. Um, we live in the greatest day of human history. Uh, COVID did not take God by surprise. He's not in heaven wringing his hands. Whoa, man, I didn't see that coming. That's something. I was teaching last night to all the businessmen. I said, you know, I kept a list for years of all the major uh, catastrophes that happened in America from the 1929 stock market crash. And some people jumped off buildings and committed suicide, and some people became billionaires. There's only two groups. Uh, went through World War II, and you had victory gardens. You know, my grandparents had a victory garden. You had to donate all your copper and all your aluminum and stuff to the military. And, and so we grew on food right in the front yard and uh, make sure the rabbits didn't eat it and the squirrels didn't get to it and the deer didn't wander in. So we had a lot of fresh meat. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> my family, uh, both my in-laws, my parents, our dads, my father, kept a rifle in the bathroom, old bathrooms, you know. And so we had the window raised up because the garden was right outside that bathroom window. And said, uh, many time you hear that 22 rifle go, <laughs> My father walked back in the kitchen, we're having a squirrel for dinner. And he was serious. And, uh, and so we, we shot it and grew it. And, uh, and so I grew up in a different time. I grew up in a time where uh, things are just so different. Um, I think about the COVID thing, because used to, when you were a kid, uh, we had a big family, huge family. So if anybody got the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox, they'd call everybody. Hey, hey, Billy Bob's got the measles. I'll meet you down at church. And because we had one country church, 
in Turtletown, Tennessee. Uh, had no air conditioning, no heat, no lights, just one big room church and the steeple on it. And so uh, we call the pastor, hey, pastor, we need to all come to church. We need to unlock it. We go down. And so you go play with your cousins all day. What are you trying to do? Catch the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox. So the, we, we knew back in the country, the sooner you got it, the better it's going to be. Get it over with. You don't want the chicken pox when you're 40. You want to get it when you're four. You know, or the measles. So we got it over quick. And so today, everybody's running from it. Oh, you might get it. Well, you probably will. You know, people think about the flu. Like, like, you know, we got a Wuhan flu. I don't even know where Wuhan is. But Wuhan spread the flu and they shut down Disney World. <laughs> Wuhan shut down Walt Disney. I mean, man, it's of the devil. What happened? I mean, Wuhan got loose. They closed Disney. In my city, they closed restaurants. They closed the TV theater. They closed everything. What happened? Wuhan. Well, I didn't. I must have missed that revelation. Is that in here somewhere? What page is that in Wuhan? And so we all panicked. And so now we did what was right. And, uh, you know, every state's different. And Oklahoma, we were backwards because we're just, we don't know much. And so uh, we got a great governor, and he, he lifted the ban real quick. Our church was the first one to lift the ban in our whole city. We had church first. We're having church. Get down here. Of course, we all had our masks on. We had to sit six feet apart, but. We filled the place up, and so pretty soon we got rid of the mask. And, and so, uh, so anyhow, in, in, in my state, we're, we're, we've got a great governor, and he opened everything back up. But in our city, uh, the mayor's very different. He's tight. So, so the mayor, he shut everything down. So we got to wear a mask till the end of January, maybe the end of February. You know, <laughs> those things are skanky, by the way. There's not a clean mask. You're breathing in that thing. What you what, what have you been eating lately? You're breathing in that mask. It's nasty. You better wash that thing every day because it's got nasty in it. And so everybody's got the mask. So what happened was in our city, uh, Tulsa shut down. You can't open a restaurant. You can't go play volleyball. You can't go out. And, and so, but the surrounding cities, Broken Arrow, Cheeks, you know, Owasa, they're open. And so every weekend, where are you going to go eat? Where are we going to Broken Arrow? We're not spending money in Tulsa. We don't spend any money in Tulsa. We're spending all money in Bixby and Broken Arrow and Hawaii. So the cities around Tulsa are booming. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Tulsa's not. Just a thought. There's, there's always going to be something new. Well, after the Wuhan, what if they think we're going to get a vaccination for the Wuhan. Well, if we do, there'll be a Wuhan and a new Han and a Hulihan. There's, there's always been a new disease. Now, I've taught history for years. There's been diseases that have killed millions on this planet. Bubonic plague, the black plague. It's been, there's been some nasty stuff happening. The devil's not doing anything new. He kills, steals, and destroys. Our job's to resist him. And so as a parent or as a father, or as a neighbor, what I'm, I'm trying to encourage everybody. And so what do you do? Well, I got a, I got a Snoopy dog mask. Uh, Angel's aunt made it for me. Real creative. People look at you, get on the plane, like, what is that? It's Snoopy. It's got Snoopy all over it. So it's very creative. So it stirs people up. I like that. Me too. You know, you get on the plane, you get, sometimes we have long flights because we're still flying everywhere. I mean, yeah, you just want to rip that thing off. Can I take this off? Well, only if you eat your peanuts. If you eat your peanuts, you can take it off. So Ainsley, I've learned to eat our peanuts real slow. 
I'm not making it. Am I making that up? We are very slow. There's always a way. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's funny. So, uh, people said, are you still traveling? I said, yeah. We had to shut down for three months because of the, the Wuhan thing. So, uh, we met with the staff the day after and said, listen, we're not laying anybody off. We're not shutting down. We're going to get busy. And so, uh, we started doing some book publishing. So, we got two. We're doing many books now. These are 100-page books. And so, we did two. We got two more coming out. So, we're going to do a lot of these. And so, this is uh, the first one called The Four Kinds of Kids. Now, I've taught this for over 30 years in our local church and on the road. It's out of Proverbs 1. There's only four kinds of kids. Wise, simple, foolish, and scornful. It's in Proverbs 1. Wise kids live a long time. They're filthy, stinking rich. They scale the wall of a city, take it captive. Great things happen to wise children. The other three, nothing good happens. Simple-minded, foolish, and scornful, nothing good happens. not one good scripture about it. So in this book is nothing but scripture. It's pure scripture. Psalms and Proverbs. What's this about? Well, it's all the scripture about wise children and simple-minded children and foolish children and scornful children. And so, well, that, most of it negative. Yeah, most of this book's negative. Just, you know, read the first part. And <laughs> encourage yourself and then don't read the rest of it. It's just stay, stay in the good section. Oh, mm. So, I'm just going to just give you a little of this. You don't have to bother. Now, listen, this is in your Bible for free. If you don't have a Bible to get into, give you one. Or you can spend $8 to get my book. But I got everything in this came out of this Bible. Everything in this book came from the, came from the Bible. It's deep, isn't it? Whoa. But we still sell a lot of these books for some reason. So anyhow. So I'll just read the, the, this, and i do a summation. I go through all the scriptures, and I'll do a summation in the beach of the four chapters. So uh, this is uh, this is the summation of a wise child. I'm not going to read the uh, chapter and verse because it's too much. You can get the book if you want to. And uh, wise children, mm. wise children increase learning. They will inherit glory. Oh my goodness, they inherit glory. What's that mean? Well, it's going to turn out good for them. Uh, they love those that uh, correct them. Wise children love to be gotten on to. Yeah, you got wise kids. Daddy, thank you so much for telling me I was stupid. I appreciate that. I didn't know. I did not know. Man, thank you for loving me so much to tell me that. I really appreciate it. Don't worry, sugar. I'm going to point it out a lot. Because people don't like to be gotten on to. They like staying stupid. There's pride involved in that. I'm stupid. I know it, and I'm going to stay that way. Well, God bless you. God bless you. Don't do that. Uh... They lay up knowledge. They refrain their lips from speaking stupidity. Oh, that's good. Uh, they know how to win others to Jesus. Uh, their tongue brings health. Oh, my goodness. They hear their father's instruction. They hear their mother's instruction. Their lips preserve them. They depart from evil. Uh, uh, their crown is their riches. Nothing but good happens to wives. So, well, how do you get wise? Well, the Bible says this. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs says, uh, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God, he'll give liberty and upbraideth not. How do you get wisdom? You ask God. Or you hang around wise people. The Bible says, you want to be wise, walk with the wise, a companion of fools will be destroyed. So I realize something, I need my children to be wise. You know, 
We got eight of them. I can't afford for you to go stupid on me. I cannot afford for you to end up simple-minded or to act a fool or to be a scorner or a gang leader. I need you to be wise. So twice a day, I prayed this morning. I'll pray it when I go to sleep. Now. Father, teach our children to fear you. Psalm 34. Teach our children to fear you for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom, Proverbs 3, 16 comes a long life, riches, and honor. What do you want for your children? Long life, riches, and honor. Real for your kids, long life, riches, and honor. If Jesus tarries, I don't want you to come to my funeral. I don't want to come to yours. Long life. I want you to live real stinking long. Now, I love living long. I've, I've had a, uh, angels don't let me get sidetracked, but I got to tell this. All the families, all the funerals of my family were at the house. We lived, grew up in Ducktown, Tennessee. We had 750 people. We had an embalmer. We did not have a funeral home. Now, he had a house we didn't embalm you, but uh, they bring the casket to the house. And so we set up with the dead. We were good Southern Baptists. We set up with the dead. So you go, somebody dies, they go and bomb them. They call, hey, got the body ready, we'll bring it over. And the person pulls up in front of the house and they bring that cast in. You slide the couch out of the way, you roll that cast in, you lift the lid up. And we set up with the dead. And of course, that night, people bring fried chicken, baked beans, potato salad, you know, pecan pie. And we'd sit up all night and eat and talk about them. Now, first, you talk nice about them. But after your belly got full and you got sleep, you start saying nasty stuff, man. I'll be thank God, Greyhound, they're gone. They were just rude to me. So by the time the sun came up the next morning, you're ready to stick them in the ground. It helped the grieving process. Let's bury them. Dear God, I need a nap. And so one thing you learn about when people die, they're gone. Now, this is going to sound real hard. Uh, biblically, the Bible says, let the dead bury the dead, Jesus said. Once you're gone, you're gone. You're in heaven or you're in the hell, but you're gone. I hope you went to heaven. And so the people that have passed away, uh, they aren't thinking about you. They're having a really good time. They're in heaven. It's air conditioned. They're eating a lot of good stuff. Nobody has a bowel movement. There's no bathrooms in heaven. There are no bowel movements. I don't know where it goes. It just disappears, I guess. I don't know. You ever think about that? You ought to read Revelation. It's downright entertaining. And so, so it's really good. And so, uh, you know, when Sarah died, Abraham got remarried. You know, the father of our faith, Abraham and Sarah, you know, they had Isaac and Ishmael. And that's where we got high oil prices from. And that's a whole nother sermon. Well, she passed away. Abraham got remarried, had six more kids. This, this was before Viagra and Cialis. <laughs> trying to help him, not trying to embarrass him, trying to help him. God is a very creative God, very loving God, a very good God. He's trying to find somebody to be good through. What happens is if you get away from God, all you're going to see is the devil, how bad it is, what's going wrong. Oh, it's bad. So I was teaching them last night the business thing about, you know, all the things we went through in the 29 stock market crash, you know, and then went belly up, and then the World War II in the Victory Gardens, and the 70, oh, the oil embargo, you know. In my little town of Hickson, Tennessee, we had a little gas station. Gasoline was 25 cents a gallon. 25 cents a gallon. Well, all of a sudden, the you know, oil embargo happened. It went to a dollar a gallon. And, uh, and people were lined up. Two-way street in Hickson, Tennessee. Two-lane highway. For over a mile, people were lined up because they couldn't sell you more than 10 gallons of gas. Now, there were no good gas you know, cars back then. Everything was a gas guzzler. So people would run out of gas in line waiting to get gas. People were getting fist fights and beat on one another. 
and grandmothers running gas. Help, help grandma push the car to get some gas. And we thought the world was coming to an end. I said, no, it'll pass. It'll pass. And it did. It passed. We, people don't even remember that anymore. Well, the 80s, you know, the stock market went belly up. The 80s, and people went broke. People jumped off buildings. And at the same time, people went broke. Some people became billionaires. There's always two groups of people on this planet. The haves, the have-nots, the godly and the ungodly. There's no third group. There's no third group. You're either chasing God or you're being chased by something ugly. The Bible says we're to resist the devil. So all of a sudden, we go through this whole process. We come down to this thing about what kind of kid. Well, I need a wise child. What's that? They need to fear God. So I prayed it this morning. I'll pray it tonight before I go to sleep. Father, I give you permission. Teach ancient eyes kids to fear you, for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom comes long life, riches, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I've prayed that ever since I had my first baby. So my oldest one's 42 now. I've prayed it twice a day my whole life. Why? I don't want my kids to go stupid on me. I want you to stay wise. I want you to fear God. I want you to listen to God. So the kids call. I said, what's God said to you lately? They said, what? I said, what's God said to you lately? Nothing. No, God's talking all the time. Are you listening? Evidently not. What's God told you? Because God's good. And so I tell people, and of course, when, when the COVID hit, my phone lit up. Because I'm the only preacher in the family, and I'm Pentecostal. And it messes with all of them. And so they only call when somebody died or when somebody needs to be married, because I'm free. And so, Brother Joe, what do you think about this COVID thing? It'll pass. When? I don't know, but it'll pass. You know, I've, I've taught history for 10 years. Whatever happened that was bad, it passed. Ebonic plague, the black plague, the COVID thing, you know, stock market, it passed. The Bible says in the book of Luke, when Jesus comes back to this earth, now, maybe he lied. Jesus said this himself. You can read it. Jesus said, when I come back there, he said this. People will be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, building and planting. Jesus said it will be business as usual until the day he comes back. Was bad stuff going up? Yeah, because Satan's the God of this planet. He's tearing it up. He hates everything. He knows he's... His clock's ticking. He's going to boil forever in the lake of fire. He knows it. God's already told him, hey, son, you're going to boil forever. And so he's mad. He's, he's tearing as much up as he can. Just like, you know, whether it's a president's election, anything. He's creating confusion, stirring up people against one another. What's that? Well, this is a great time to be a Christian. There's never been a better time to be a Christian than now. And so I've always said this for years when I taught uh, high school. I tell the kids all the time, I said, you know, if I could have gone back in time, at the beginning of time, and God said, son, I'm getting ready to make earth and all this stuff. I'm going to give you a choice. When would you like to be born, son? I said, well, can I take a look at what you're doing? So he rolls the film. There's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The food's free. Close your cheek. Great weather. But when you notice, well, they got fired from the job, evicted from the house, kids start killing one another. I said, no, I don't want to be alive in the Garden of Eden. He said, well, you like boats, don't you? Yeah, I love boats. Well, how about Noah? So that video rolls. You see that boat? Well, it's a big old boat. No rudder, no motor, and you shovel the stuff for months on that boat. It's stinky. No, let's skip that boat. Well, would you like to be born when Jesus is born? You know, silent night, holding night, we get the kings of Orient Art. Roll that video and say, no, that's going to be bad. They're going to nail people to cross the 70 miles inside of Jerusalem. And I can imagine God saying, well, now, son, you got to pick some time to be born. Well, God, if you don't mind, I'd like to pick the last days. Will you promise you'd pour out your spirit on all flesh? Sons and daughters would prophesy. We'd dream dreams and have visions. I want to be alive in the greatest moment of human history. 
you're going to be moving like a freight train on this planet. Now, I taught when I was teaching last night about when they went to the promised land, they sent 12 spies in. 12 spies came back after 40 days. The Bible says 10 had an evil report, 2 had a good report. One man from each tribe went into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. You live in the houses you didn't build, eat from vineyards you didn't plant. Grapes the size of your head. It was incredible. And they get the report and they come back and they're sitting there saying, well, what's it like? Just like God said, it is incredible. Man, big grapes and big houses and magnificent gardens. But there are giants in the land. They're big. Ten foot, two inches tall. They got six fingers and six toes. We asked them what they thought about us. And they said, we look like a grasshopper. I'm not making that up. It's in everybody. It's in the King James. They asked, they asked us that. What do you think about us? You look like a grasshopper. Don't you? Thank you very much. <laughs> so they came back across the river and they told all of us, Israel's been in captivity for 400 years. Ten commandments, the plagues, they've been delivered across the Red Sea. The Egyptian army's drowned. God's been showing up. Uh, pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke and the food when they were hungry. It's like, and all of a sudden they come back and, and now they're starting to go, oh, if we'd only died in Egypt. Oh, if we'd only died in the wilderness. Oh, and so they're starting to cry. They're crying. Now, two weren't crying. Ten were crying. Two were not crying. They all saw the same thing. They heard the same thing. They smelled the same thing. Ten saw it as evil. Said, oh, man, it's like God said. Got grapes inside your head. Let's go get it. Let's go get our stuff. But they got outvoted. Then God spoke and said, that's it. Told Mo, that's it. I'm not going to take them in. Ten times I test them once they left Egypt. Ten times I tried to get them to trust me. No water, no food, bitter water. Ten times they rejected me. They won't use their faith. So you tell them this, Moses. Everybody 20 years of age and up will drop dead in this wilderness. I'll take their children in. So they go back in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years they wander the wilderness. Why? God said, you're going to have to trust me. Is anybody trusting God? Jesus said, when I come back to earth, will I find faith? Is there anybody trusting God? I don't know, man. It's bad, man. COVID thing hit it. They shut down Disney. I mean, if you shut down Disney, I don't think God can do anything. I'm just being serious. So, you know, 40 years later, they come back, and the two that had a good report, uh, they're still alive. Problem is, they're 80 years old now. So Joshua, when they cross her, you can read it in the, in the New Living Translation down right there in the painting. Joshua and Caleb crossed that river. Caleb told us, listen, that mountain, I've been looking at that mountain for 40 years. That mountain's mine. Nobody take my mountain. I'll punch you, you take my mountain. And the Bible says he outran. The 80-year-old man outran the other man to the top of the mountain. Why? I've had a vision for 40 years. That's mine. I'm not looking at the giants. I'm not looking at six fingers, six toes. I'm looking at God's promise, and that's mine. And he got it. We had a good piece of real estate. They still own it in the family somewhere. Now, with that in mind, I've got one short scripture today. It's really good. It's in the part of the Bible you never read. That's where the pages are stuck together. It's called Nehemiah. Now, I taught Bible for 10 years in my high school, and I went through the whole Bible 10 times, 10 years. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite stories. So, this is a kind of paraphrase. Nehemiah is a uh, uh, Working for Artaxerxes, nasty Babylonian king, 
and the kings conquered everything. He swept everybody, made everybody slave. And so uh, Nehemiah's Jewish. Uh, he's never been to Israel. He was born in captivity. He's heard about Israel. He's heard about the promised land. He's heard about the mountain of God. He's never been there. So with that in mind, I'll just read this. It's real short. Uh, it says this, uh, in the autumn uh, of the month of Caleb, in the 25th year of King Artaxerxes, Nehemiah says, I was in the fortress, and my brothers came to visit with me, with other men who had returned from Judah. What happened was, uh, after 70 years, a lot of the Jews got to go home. Now, it's 800 miles from Babylon back to Israel. It's 800 miles. It's a long trip. Well, some went back, and uh, uh, but not everybody, but some went back. Well, they've come back just going back to Israel. And so here's Nehemiah. Man, hey, it's good to see you guys. What's it like back there in Jerusalem, the holy city? And so here's the report that they gave. You know, it's not a good thing. They said, well, things are not going well for those that have returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and in great disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard this, I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to God. What happened? Hell's landed. It's all gone. There's no more America. It's shot in the foot. We're going to go to hell in a handbasket. Throughout history, I've taught history for years. Throughout history, there's always those with a good report and always those with an evil report. There's only two groups of people. Some people are problem solvers. Some people are problem cheerleaders. Which one are we going to be? We're going to be I think I'll be a problem solver. I think I like to be a Caleb and Joshua. I don't care if it takes 40 years. I'm going to get my stuff. We're going to get my stuff. So people ask, because the big family said, what's well, so going on? Well, COVID's hit. And it'll go away, sort of, eventually. They'll get something for it, and then another one come. It'll, it'll be a Wuhan flu, and a Wuhan flu, and a Duhan flu. And there'll be all kinds of flu. There'll be all kinds of flu. Well, as soon as we get COVID for this, as soon as we get something to fix this, we'll be good. No, there'll be another flu. What's the matter with humans? You're not looking at God. You're looking at some human to save you. Humans can't save you. Now, I pray for our government every year, but it it's not, doesn't matter who's in the White House. It's God. It's not who's in the White House. It's God. Are you a Christian? You got her made. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were in a foreign land, but they ended up prospering really good. Crops increased a hundredfold. Sheep increased a hundredfold. Where are they at? Where they're in a foreign land? It's not their land, but they were blessed wherever they were. Where are you at? I live in Oklahoma. Well, my state's blessed because my country's blessed because I'm blessed. Now, now listen, I'm not denying reality. I've read the end of the book. You've got to reread Revelation. Matter of fact, the only book that promises, blessed are those who read the words of this book, is Revelation. It's the only book that promises, blessed are those who read and understand the words of this book. So start at the back. Don't ever start at the front of anything. Now, anytime when the worst fights we've ever had, we got married. We used to like sit down and relax and watch an old movie. Not First time we sat down, we <laughs> watch a movie. And I said, what are we watching? She named it. I said, well, how does it end? She said, well, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, I'm not going to watch it. How does it end? Well, I'm not going to ruin it. No, I don't watch anything that doesn't end good. How does it end? Well, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going to watch. So I walked up to the office. And she watched it. You're not watching this movie. No, I don't watch anything that doesn't end good. I don't watch stupid. I don't feed on stupid. I don't listen to stupid. I don't sing stupid. I remember the famous song, Take This Job and Shove It, came out. Great song. 
Spiritual song. I worked for Oldman Masson on the Tennessee River in Chattanooga, a big old factory. We made big aluminum cable for TVA and Georgia Power. And all of a sudden, you can't hear yourself think, OSHA hadn't showed up yet. We're all deaf. Big old noisy plant and uh, three-story building. And all of a sudden, someone said, hey, change your station, Dolly 5 5 you know. And 300 men in that noisy plant would sing together, take this job, shove it. Ain't working here no more. Take it. And we would sing in the form of a laugh, the supervisor would laugh. It was so funny. And three months later, they shut our plant down. I'm not making that up. They shut it down. And I remember going in the gate, and the guy said, here's your pink stuff. You don't work here anymore. Yeah, I work on the third floor. My laptop. He said, no, they sold this company to a company in Belgium. I said, I don't want to go to Belgium. They didn't invite you, son. They're taking the plant. I thought, oh, man. And so it sat empty for several years, and then finally the Chattanooga Baking Company bought my former plant, Old Massive. And so if you ever come to Chattanooga, Tennessee, go down on the river, Manufacturers Road, and go down the road and go to the Chattanooga Bacon. They're famous. They're known for one thing. The Chattanooga Bacon makes one famous thing. And it's a beautiful building right there that says Chattanooga Bacon, home of the moon pie. They make moon pies. And so if you ever come to my office in Tulsa, I got a box of moon pies on the corner of my desk. It sits there. It, they'll never ruin. It'll, they'll last 50 years. They'll be good 50 years. <laughs> And if that's to remind me, don't sing stupid. It was evident the moon pie people never sung, take this job and shove it. Don't sing stupid. Don't listen to stupid. Don't watch stupid. Don't feed on stupid. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, rather than this use of life. Watch what you feed on, what you think about, what you sing, what you hum. How does the devil get into your head? It's really through your mouth. Let the redeemed Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. That's the poor. Say I'm rich. Call those things to be not as though they are. We're like God. We create stuff with our mouth. Do you believe that? Yeah, it's in the Bible. There's volume one. Volume two's not coming out. God's hanging with volume one. You can go ahead and read it. It's really good. It's good. Anyhow, short sermon. Here it is. Nehemiah. So he cries. Six months, he's, he's depressed. Starting chapter two. Early the following spring, <laughs> Nehemiah was serving the king his wine. He had never appeared before the king in a bad state of mind. So the king asked him, why do you look so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified to him, I said. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? The city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, what can I do to help you? And then with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, well, if it please the king, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me back to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him said, okay, how long are you going to be gone? When you will return? And how long will you be there? I mean, how long is it going to take? And here's the point. Here's the point. Uh, Proverbs 29 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. And so I've asked my kids their whole life. I don't care if they call, hey, where are you going to be five years from now? This must, they know it forever. Where are you going to be five years from now? I don't know. Then you'll be right here doing the same thing, doing the same job. Proverbs 29 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. You have a vision for your life? Where are you planning to go? Well, I don't know. I'm just waiting. No, you don't wait. You make things happen. We're the redeemed of the Lord. Our job is to storm the gates of hell. 
to resist the devil, to make things happen. That's our job. And so I've always messed with stuff. You better have something written down. So here's the amount when the king asked him, well, what can I do for it? Well, here's what I need. Here's how much money I need. Here's what. And so the king said, okay. And so I said, well, what do you need? Well, I'm going to have to go through a lot of places you conquer, so I need permission slips to every province to go through. I'm going to need some lumber to rebuild the walls. So I need permission to cut down the giant cedar trees up north. And then I'm going to need some labor. And so he had a list. When the, when the man of influence asked him, what do you need? He was ready. You know how many people I've known in my life? Well, what can I do for you? Well, nothing. What do you need? Well, nothing. You're not much of a visionary, are you? What do you believe in God for? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? So everybody needs a list. Because at times like this, if you don't have a list, you end up running. Now, I got a big family. I love every one of them. I said, where are you going? Well, we're going to wait until this goes away. It won't go away. Something else to show up. So what kind of list do you have? What do you believe in God for? Anyhow, he goes back to the city. King sends him a whole troop of military people with him. He gets back to Jerusalem. He tells the military, okay, guys, y'all have a seat because I've not ever been here before. I need to take a few days, kind of circle the wall and see how bad it is. For three days, Nehemiah circles the wall at nighttime. And it's bad. It was bad. So finally, the third day, he gets up in the middle of the town. He gives a speech. Hey, guys, uh, my name's Nehemiah. The king has sent me back here. We're going to rebuild this city. We're going to rebuild the walls, get the gates back up. And all the people said, whoa, they all got happy. And everybody started to work. Well, there's a bad guy in every movie. There's a bad guy. His name's Sanballat. He's evil guy. He's the local governor. When he heard of rebuilding the walls, he came down to attack Nehemiah. Well, what Nehemiah did, he pulled out a piece of paper. No, I have permission from the king. Well, that shut him up. Well, I didn't know that, you know. So he's rebuilding the walls, and so they're about half built. Everybody's working hard, day and night, about half built. So all of a sudden, uh, Sanballat comes back and threatens, hey, you better stop that. I'm going to come down and kill every one of you. And so Nehemiah says, you can't do that. I got permission from the king. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you stop working for about a week? Come up here and let's have lunch. Let's talk over, oh, see if we can get a solution. Let's see if we can solve our problems. And so Nehemiah says, no, I don't have time. So five days in a row, Sanballat says another man, no, 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 hey, hey, I'm sorry we got off the wrong foot. I really like you. God bless you. Let's go with God together. Let's lock arms and dance and around the mole pole or whatever. And come on up. Let's tell He said, no. Five times he told him no. So all of a sudden, he went, they're going to try to attack. So here's what Nehemiah did. He got everybody together. Hey, guys, now listen. Uh, Sanballat's going to give us a hard time. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're not going to get undressed until we finish this wall. Nobody's going to take a bath. Nobody's going to shave. I want you to put a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. We're going to finish this wall with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other, and we're not going to stop working. And that's what they did. They slept in their clothes. That must have been skanky. It went 52 days, I mean, without bathing. They're skanky. But they finished the wall. And the Bible says the day the wall finished, 52 days later, record time, rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, put the gates back on. The Bible says when that happened, Sam Ballard, the real evil, nasty, mean guy's going to kill everybody. The Bible says he broke down. He cried. It's in the Bible. It's a great story. They, they haven't made a movie out of it yet, but it'd be a real good one. What happened to the bad guy? He cried. I can't believe they did it. The point of it is, people, hell always shows up talking big, yelling big, demanding big. Hell's been whipped. It's already whipped. So the Bible says God inhabits praise. So I tell people, keep your mouth moving in the right direction. What's going to, what's happening? 
I don't know, we're blessed and highly favored. With a long life, God's going to satisfy me and show me his salvation. Now, my family, I love all my family, but I'm the last remaining one. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters, and I'm the only male child left out of that home once. And, uh, and so I remember my first dead person I saw because we had all the funerals at the house. And Ella was in the casket, and we set up with the dead. So back that morning, Dad come over, come tell your aunt bye. Now, I couldn't have been a priest in the Old Testament because I've touched too many dead people. So I go over to the casket, and I've been playing with my cousin, messing around. I've been living with a dead person. And so we've been eating chicken all night. So I go, and there's my aunt laying in the casket. Now, they got her painted up like a $2 street walk. My aunt never wore makeup. She never wore a bra. She's a country woman. You understand? She got her hair in a bun. These are country people, real country. Well, they got her painted up like Bozo the Clown. I thought, what is And then my dad will touch her, tell her about And so I touched my aunt. Well, she's hard as a two before. What did they do to her? They froze her. Now I had a revelation. Here's the whole point of the whole sermon. I had a revelation at age seven. I thought, I was looking right there at that moment. I thought, you know, one day, this is where we're going to end up. In a box, stiff as a two before, painted like both other clowns. And I had this thought. I, I, I felt I had this thought at that moment. I thought, I might want to get busy living. I don't want to waste a day of my life. I want to do everything I can. Go everywhere I can. Be a blessed to everybody I can. I want to leave everybody better than I find them. And I went to a lot of funerals, people. I touched a lot of dead people. And I realized, not me. I'm going to, I'm going for the long haul. So I've shared so many times. I shared it back when I was here in February or whatever. Uh, I had two aunts live to be 100. And my aunt in Topeka, I think, is 104. She's still alive today. She's 104. So my family lives long. We won't die. We're too mean. Is your family Christian? No, they're meaner than snot. They won't die. They're just meaner than snot. Well, that's my family. So when I got married, people said, you're getting remarried? Yeah, I thought I would. Well, how old are you? I'm in my upper 60s. You getting remarried? Oh, yeah. I think I'd still like to suck lips off somebody's face. I have some blood still stirring. I do feel it. I'm not dead yet. So I don't grow old by myself, rocking in a chair, sitting on some porch somewhere, some retirement center. Not making fun. But I realized something. No, no. I'm going to marry some woman that's going to stretch me, inspire me, provoke me, and suck the lips off my face. And my angel's sitting right over here. And you are everything I've ever dreamed of. And more than I cry, I think about it. God is good. Only if you want him to be, though. So the whole thing of the sermon is this. What do you want out of life? Where are you looking? What are you reading? What are you staring at? What are you feeding on? Don't feed on stupid. Don't read stupid. Don't watch stupid. As the old famous movie says, stupid is as stupid does. The Bible says, think on these things, whatever is lovely, honest, just, praise with a good report. Think on these things. And so you and I live in the greatest moment of human history. There are people in heaven sitting in the grandstands. We've got scripture for this. They're watching us run our race. Mo, uh, no, no, Moses, Noah, Jephthah, all of them are up there watching. I don't know how much they know, but they do watch us run our race. And so 
I didn't turn around and look at this. Man, he's stupid. That was a dumb thing for him to do. I don't want to do that. I want to make him proud. I want to run as fast as I can, do as much as I can, be as big a blessing as I can. We live in the greatest day of human history. You hate to go to heaven and have some sad thumb sucking story. What was it like the last day? Well, it was bad. COVID was everywhere. It hit me. It was so hard. My wife left me. My dog bit me. My boss fired me. It was bad. I'm just glad I made it to heaven. I think they have card tables in heaven. They have a card table at the family reunion. We have big family reunions. For years, you want to get to the big table. But nope, you're still at the card table. You're at the card table, and you got a you got a chicken leg, not the big one. You got the little dinky chicken leg. And I realize there are chicken leg Christians. And I think we get to heaven, there'll be a lot of chicken leg. What do you got? I got a chicken leg. I'm a chicken leg Christian. I don't have a mansion. I thumb suck my way all the way to heaven. And I'm thumb sucking my way here. And so I have a chicken leg. I get, I don't have a mansion. I can hold the door for your mansion if I might. I don't want to spend eternity with a chicken leg around my neck. What are you going to do? I want to lay up stuff in heaven. I want to have a big mansion. I don't know some cabin down by the river. I want to have a big honking thing. Have parties. People over. I'm serious. If you don't want it, God wants people that want to do something great. God's looking for somebody to show himself strong in. That's me, God. So watch what your feet on. You're getting all worried, you need to shut something off. So I tell people all the time, you can do what God tells you to do, but don't be feeding on the news. There's nothing good. There's no good news. It's all bad news. That's why it sells. It's why it sells. When I was a kid, the news came on at 5 o'clock, went off at 5.30. kind of hell happened? Well, you don't got 30 minutes to find out. You better get in there quick. All the crying guys going to shut off. Well, today it's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Seven channels are 24-hour day news. Now, this is so much bad stuff you can report. And they just make up stuff. Ooh, we'll be right after this commercial. Some hell's just happened. We'll be right after this commercial to let you know the details of it. All right. Now, I worked on church staff. You go to the morning to church staff, get some coffee, and people say, did you see the news this morning? I tried not to. No, thank you. See what happened in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iraq? No, I didn't watch that. I did read my Bible this morning, though. Thought that's pretty good. Whoa. <laughs> now, last thing, you're going to decide for yourself. You'll decide for yourself. Who you want to run with? I want to run with somebody running faster than me. I want somebody that fears God more than I do. Somebody's getting more confidence than I am. I want to run with the big boys. Big boys aren't chasing me. Big boys are chasing people bigger than them. You want to run with a big boy, you got to run up line. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Nobody's going to be moved when you feel, well, this is just bad. Shut up. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Get up. Get up and do something. When God picked the next king of business, he picked David. He sent the prophet to the house of Jesse. He said, what is it? Well, I need you to go to the house of Jesse and not, the next, not his son, the next king of Israel. So he gets on and knocks on the door. Oh, the guy opens the door and said, I'm Samuel, I'm the prophet of God. I'm here to anoint your son, king of Israel. He said, which one? I don't know how many you got. Well, I got a lot of them. God didn't say anything about that. Well, get them out here. So he lines up the oldest to the youngest, and God's not saying, now the greatest thing about being a false prophet, you get stoned to death at sundown. There's no drive-in movie theater. That was a great source of entertainment with stoning false prophets. So, so he's there and he said, well, it must be the oldest. You know, he looks like, he's photogenic. It looks like a king. He starts to pour the oil over his head and anoint him the next king. Right before he does, God said, that's not him. 
Well, that's close. Probably the second born. They're always more aggressive. Starts to anoint him. Got the dust on him. He gets seven those in a row. He's thinking, man, the sun's going down. I am dead meat. So he looks at this. You got any more sons? Yeah, we've got one more. We don't let them in the house. Smells like sheep. So the Bible says this. The Bible says the ruddy, complected runt of the family. The ruddy, complected runt of the family comes in. And God tells the prophet, that's him. So the prophet says, and you live in translation, God, you got to be kidding. No, you're judged from the outside. I see his heart. He's my next king. So the prophet, of course, all over his head said, you're our next king. God help us. I'm not making it up to your Bible. Well, David's spitting oil out of his face. It's running down his face. All of a sudden, the prophet leaves. Dad, get back out there with the sheep. So David was back out with the sheep. Now, he's anointed to be the king of Israel. He's just not ready. He's anointed, but he's not ready. First, you got to kill a lion. you got to kill a bear. you got to kill a giant. you got to whip a few people. You might be anointed to do something, but you're not ready yet. That's why you got to be underneath somebody else. That's why we have pastors. That's why everybody needs to be under a pastor. I'll say it again. Everybody needs to be under a pastor. Pastors aren't perfect, but they are God's anointed. And so you need to ask somebody a question. Hey, pastor, you think I'm stupid? Well, yes, I do, son. <laughs> God bless you, pastor. I'm increase my tithe. I appreciate that. You need people to strike iron with. So be encouraged. Don't feed on the news. It's not going to be good. Jesus did not die. God did not fall off the throne. And the Holy Ghost is still moving like a freight train. We live in the greatest day of human history. Let's make the most of it. Let's stand up.